Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, September 23rd, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter Working for Others. We will begin our reading with the last paragraph on the bottom of page 102, and we'll read three paragraphs the first time through here. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Amy E., 12 Traditions, Naomi B., and our text readers are Nancy H., Nadia B., Du L., and our newcomer greeter today is Janice M., And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, September 22nd, 2016, is 9099. 9099. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no issues on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Amy E. to read the 12 steps for us, please. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, fellow visionaries. We had, uh, here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to help God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Amy. And I will now ask 
Naomi B. to read the 12 traditions for us, please. Thank you, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my family. Uh, my name is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusting service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group, um, excuse me, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to their serve to those they serve. Over, Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the levels of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. So today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Working with Others. We are going to begin on the bottom of page 102 with the last paragraph. And the first reader will read three paragraphs. And we will be commenting on all of those. And I will ask Nancy H. if you could begin reading for us, please. Good morning. This is Nancy H., a grateful compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. I'm happy to be with everyone this morning. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us will still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. But some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. 
We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in the light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the we would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem, but we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. So again, I'm Nancy H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, there's quite a bit here. Uh, it doesn't quite apply to me as far as leave, you know keeping pastry or binge foods in my house for other people who are coming off of their binge foods. But um, as far as um, I, one thing I don't do is I try to, you know, if I know someone's coming, I might have a dessert for them, but I don't bake it because I, I really don't feel like I'm in a position to do that even after being recovered. It's not something I want to do. So I will go to the bakery and maybe perhaps get something, and I usually, you know, offer it to them to take home. When my son was living with me for two years, who's not a compulsive overeater, um, I kept food in the house, and it didn't even call to me. It just, it was like, it's there, it's his food. You know, even when he wasn't here, I didn't look at it as something that I would want to take, and I'm grateful for that. Um, The part that I also could relate to is we never cared to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. And um, that... um, sort of applies to me as far as um, looking. I have people in my life who, who drink, and I don't approve of it, and I had shown that attitude, and I was told after joining another program that I was trying to control the person, so I completely changed my way of doing it, and um, it, it's really much working much better because I don't act like, um, you know, I'm, I'm intolerant of his drinking. And the other thing for us here would be um, if I'm going to help another overeater, I can't go to them with a holier-than-thou attitude. I have to just, you know, go to them and say, you know, I, I don't, I'm not judgmental. I don't act like I know what they are. I tell them what, about me and how I used to be, and therefore there's nothing to argue about because they know that I'm not there to uh, spread program to them and, and preach to them. So I think a lot of this is just common sense, um, but some of it I didn't get in my life until after I read this. And I got to say I, when I before I recovered, um, when I until I was working with a sponsor, I didn't really look too much at um, this type, this chapter. And so working with others was sort of a mystery to me. And I think maybe my judgmental attitude would have gotten in the way if I hadn't have learned this before I started sponsoring. So in closing, I'll say that. Our main aim is to help others to maintain the connection, you know, and get a spiritual experience. And it's not to to be, as they say, witch burners. It's just um, a matter of our, um, you know, doing it the right way, in other words. So with that, I'm going to pass. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but um, that was my opinion on these three paragraphs. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Nancy H. And we are going to be... 
commenting on the three paragraphs, the last paragraph on 102 and the first two paragraphs on 103, and who would like to share? This Larry. is Bella, can I share? Bella, Larry, Amy, Amy. Melissa, Melissa C. Melissa C. Oh, you're all being so nice to me this morning. <laughs> okay, I didn't hear the last one there. Elise. Say that again. Tina S. Tina S. Okay, I still, there was someone I did not get. Was it? I heard an Amy E. Was there an Elise or something like that? Okay, I'm sorry. Anybody else? Elise M. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, finally. I get my poor ears. <laughs> All right, this is what I've got. Bella, Larry K., Amy E., Melissa C., Elise M., and Tina F. Bella, you're up, and then it'll be Larry. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Wow, yes. For me, it's wonderful. It's a reminder that by leaving the steps one day at a time, I feel the opposite of bitterness. I feel the freedom. I feel the happiness. I feel the security. I feel so excited. I feel I got my life back. And this is what I can share with everybody. For me, doing the program and being in the program is a lifesaver, you know, and this is a, the opposite of punishment. For me, it's completely not a punishment that I cannot eat certain food. And this is what I can share with others, that for me, it's a relief by finding out what is my alcoholic food that it's not good for me. It's not good for me. So the same thing that I don't want to put poison into my mouth, the alcoholic food for me is a poison for me. And I can share my, my happiness, my freedom, by being connected to a higher power that loves me and accepts me. And it's okay, I am not perfect. I will never be perfect, and it's okay. I don't have to be embarrassed or judge myself or to be, you know, afraid of somebody, somebody or something. I am connected to a higher power that loves me and accepts me. And, yes, I have the opportunity to learn all the time new things because I don't know everything. And by leaving the steps, it's the opposite of bitterness because I am in freedom. And this is what I can share. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Larry Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Amy E. Oh, good to hear you, Harmonica. Thank you for your service. Um, this is Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, the, uh, the entire emphasis of the 12 steps, you know, the very basis for this process of spiritual transformation is tolerance for others. And so, you know, for me, it places responsibility on, on the compulsive overeater to become mature enough to find what it takes in their own life to live in a, in a, in a healthy manner, you know, uh, free from the, the addictive behaviors. And, 
you know, with that background in mind, you know, we read this morning in this chapter, you know, that some of us keep our binge substances in our homes. Um, we still serve it to our families. I, I choose, you know, not to be some type of witch burner uh, when it comes to, you know, sugary dessert items or salty, savory, crunchy things, you know, the things that I avoid. Um, and, and why do I choose that? Well, you know, again, just for me, uh, first, just uh, again, I've been relieved of this obsession by working these steps. And just because I still have the allergy as a treated compulsive overeater, I'm really in no position to control the behavior of others. You know, do I see the harm these substances have on, on even the normal eater? Um, indeed, you know, indeed I do. You know, I do see that. But the program has taught me tolerance for others. That, you know, it taught me that tolerance for others trumps judgmentalism and active desire to control them. And, you know, when I am trying to control anything or anyone, they're really controlling me. In other words, for me, I, I simply can't afford to be tethered to my, my baser uh, desire to control my environment. Now, for others, you know, who choose another way, in their homes, you know, God bless, that, that's fine, you know, we just got to see where we're at. But I merely choose to practice acceptance and tolerance of others, not because I don't have a strong opinion, you know, about these things, but rather because I've learned through this program that acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. You know, I found that with, when something, some person or situation, you know, my daughter's eating this or that, it's disturbing to me. I can find no true peace, like on page 417, might sound familiar, right? I can find no true peace until I, I practice acceptance, regardless of what I would want to do, what I, what I would like to control. And for me, for me, the other thing I'll say lastly is that it appears that God has changed more people through my attitude of acceptance than through my attitude of intolerance and desire to change them. That's, uh, that's one of the paradoxes here. I thought that if there is a God, that God would change people through me as an active participant in having to change them. No, it's through my acceptance and tolerance that it's done that. You know, so um, grateful for this program. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Amy E., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Uh, hey there, Monica. Thanks for your service. Amy E. in Ohio. Um, it just dawned on me, <laughs> hello, Miss History. Um, when uh, in, in 1935, when, when Alcoholics Anonymous was formed, it was two years after the repeal of Prohibition. So um, this, this idea of people looking for witch burners must have been very acute on the minds of the alcoholics Bill and Bob were trying to help. We had just gone through a, um, 13 years of this national obsession with getting people to stop drinking and to cure the moral ills that the temperance movement saw that alcoholism created in society. And um, <laughs> you would think that's a salmon swimming upstream, right? Bill and Bob trying to carry their message to other suffering alcoholics and to talk about total abstinence from alcohol and the alcoholic in his cup saying to them, hey, man, we already tried that experiment and it failed. Um, so the fact that they were approaching these 
uh, this this emphasis here on on tolerance and not um, you know uh, obesity is a national problem. Um, it's very easy to be critical of the food industry and high fructose corn syrup and uh, GMO products and the way we've changed and adulterated wheat over the years and to really get on that high horse and get very critical about that kind of stuff. And this this paragraph right here is telling us that is not our debate. That is not where we go to be convincing. Where we go to be convincing is through our own demonstration in our own lives of of what powerlessness and admission of powerlessness and the turning of our will and our lives over to something greater than ourselves to help us stop compulsive overeating and all of the rest of our problems of living, um, demonstrating that it, it, it does work. And it comes through um, attitude of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And that works. It, it, it starts with the family and radiates out. Uh, it's a great message. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Amy E. And gentle reminder, everyone, please, if you're not the speaker, please mute your phone. Melissa C., it's your turn, and then it'll be Elise M. Melissa C., we can't hear you. Star one. Okay, maybe she's having some technical difficulties. All right, Elise M., your turn. Come, and then we'll go back to Melissa. Hi, good morning. This is Elise M., a recovering bulimic and compulsive overeater. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, Monica. Thank you for your service. Um, and nice to be here with all of you Um I guess um, I've really loved the shares and um, lots of people have kind of spoken to things that spoke to me in the readings um, and I've learned some cool things. Um, I guess what kind of came to mind is how um, we're learning to live in right relationship with um, others (laughs) and um, a thing of healthy boundaries like what others choose has nothing to do with me and that it's a lie that I can change or influence anyone that I've actually believed for a long time (laughs) and I think lots of people lots of people do (laughs) Um, and even if I'm sponsoring them I also get to you know I, I, I don't you know what someone else is doing is really none of my business how I choose to relate to them is but um, other people kind of have their own choices and their own freedom and to try and control anything or anyone is a real disservice to them and myself Um, and um, it can just be really really off-putting and it spoke about how we can Um, put people off whose lives depend on the solution Um, and I feel that it's important um, you know I think that sometimes OA can be off-putting for people whose lives depend on it because there can be strong opinions about this is how you work the program this is what you should eat and um, I think some people kind of balk at it um, because it can feel kind of controlling or um, 
So I guess that's kind of what came to mind, that, you know, to develop the maturity to tolerate others in recovery doing what they do, um, doing things differently, being able to eat different foods than I can, um, working in different program than, than I do, and, you know, to just stand back and do my own work and learn from others and be in the world in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm working my recovery, but not um, trying to imprint my recovery on anyone else. So um, thank you very much. Thank you, Elise M. And Melissa C., are you with us? Hi, good morning. Yeah, I was having problems with my phone. Um, um, hi, I'm Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, uh, you know, what strikes me here is that food is not like the huge enemy here that I used to make it out to be. And so I don't have to make any, like, you know, huge um, declarations against the evils of food for, for the rest of the world. You know, I know what my poison is. It's not necessarily someone else's. And, you know, I have a family that um, doesn't appear, it doesn't appear that the members of my family have my food problem um, at this point, you know. And, um, and so I can buy things for them. Um, they can eat those things without impunity. They don't have what I have. And, and then, you know, and the other thing that I was thinking about is I also can't diagnose someone else. You know, so I say, like, I don't know if my family has it. doesn't appear that way. But I have guests that come over who may or may not have this problem because, you know, a lot of what we do with food is very secretive. And so somebody could appear in a normal-sized body, but I don't know what they're doing to, to try to get to stay there, you know, or get there. And someone could be, you know, pretty overweight and might not necessarily have what I have. And so, um, you know, it is a little slippery as far as do I diagnose other people and determine whether or not I can serve them, you know, what, food? I mean, you know, and that's the other thing that um, comes out at me is that, you know, what is the dangerous food that if we were going to say could never have in our house, what would those be? You know, bread? I mean, are we never going to put bread in our house? Or, um, you know, for me, it might, be, it might be sugar, it might be bakery items. But, you know, I went to an OA meeting one time where the speaker spoke um, at length about the equals of sugar. And, um, and I, you know, I didn't think it was a, you know, a powerful message for me, but um, sugar is not the enemy, you know, and I, and I often thought that what if there was someone sitting at that meeting who sugar was not their alcoholic substance, you know, it, it's, um, I think it's very individualized. And so I, I'm also thinking that I'm going to make, um, I'm going to protect other people. You know, it's, it's like thinking that somehow um, that I'm their higher power. You know, who, can, who am I to determine what other people can and cannot eat? Um, you know, I can serve things to people with love, um, certainly not looking to aggravate anybody's addiction or compulsion, um, but, I, but I am capable of buying bakery goods, of buying things that my family likes, serving it to them. Hopefully I'm modeling good nutrition, you know, at the same time. They can see something different. But um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Tina S., it's your turn. 
Thanks, Monica. Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Heard some really good things this morning. You know, um, early on, you know, I was probably considered a witch burner. And, you know, I'm real grateful that I learned from that experience, you know, because it certainly sh- had, has shown me that, you know, hatred and tolerance is not helpful. You know, the way I, I originally treated people for my thinking that that was for my own protection and then remembering that when people treated me that way, you know, how, how responsive was I? Not so much, you know, and um, if people were pu- pushing the program down my throat, I, I was a rebel. I was a rebel without a clue for sure, but I was a rebel. And then, you know, when someone started to share their experience, strength, and hope in a loving and, and hopeful and helpful way, you know, I became willing to believe that maybe this stuff could work for me. You know, I think one of the things that really has saved me over the years is that when OA came up with a, uh, OA does not endorse a food plan, you know, because I was ready, to, my food plan was the best and it works for everybody and it should work for you too, which is not the case. You know, everybody has their own trigger foods and their own allergies and and that, um, you know, that I know today that a power greater than myself and be, you know, but I certainly share with people that I have a food plan and I'm on one, you know, that uh, with a power greater than myself that that has helped expel that allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, which, you know, allows me to be on this journey one day at a time, you know. And I'm excited today, you know, and to share my experience, strength, and hope. And um, with that, I'll pass. What a great reading. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And who else would like to comment on these three paragraphs? Do Nancy Ira. Chris G. Okay, this is what I heard. I heard Duel, and I heard there was somebody in between, and I heard Nancy R. and I think Kareen. Chris Nessa, Nessa R. Nessa. Maureen M. Maureen. Chris. Was there a Chris? G. Yes. <laughs> Chris, Chris what? G. G. D. Okay, we're going to stop with that. All right, this is what I got. Duel, Nancy R., Corinne G, Nessa R, Maureen M, and Chris D. Do you're up and then Nancy. What page, please? We are on page 102 and 103. Go ahead, Do. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Duell, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Um, what I see here is intolerance is a barrier against recovery. Um, this is working, this is the chapter we're working with others. So by now, people that have gone to this chapter have recovered. You know, they cease fighting anything or anyone. The problem has been removed. We have a same way of eating and a same way of thinking around our binge foods. And, you know, it says instead the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us anymore. So I don't have to fight anyone or anything, um, you know, concerning the food. Um, Because, you know, as long as I keep the focus on me, um, what is my my purpose in this? I need to be the example. I have to be the guide to someone else that's trying to get this. Um, I can't tell them. I must show them by how I live my life today. You know, and that's what this is telling us, you know, that we can be helpful and not be intolerant um, to others, including institutions. Um, And how can I be intolerant to institutions? Well, the food industry, the culture, the, 
the <clears throat> the um, programs that are out there that can help other people, right? Maybe they don't help me per se because I'm the hardcore compulsive overeater, but they may help someone else. So you know, by me downgrading those institutions or those programs, you know, that could be helping someone else. You know, it would be a disservice to them. You know, if I do that. And the other point that I wanted to bring out is that it says here someday we hope that alcoholics will help the public to do better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. Um, you know, um, but we shall be of little use if our attitude of bitterness or hostility, drinkers will not stand for it. And I think of, you know, um, Overeaters Anonymous, you know, um, how we have brought this message yet to doctors and hospitals and other people where, you know, just recently in May 2013, we were put into the DSM-5 um, as far as binge eating disorder. So they're recognizing that there is a problem with obesity. Um, we need to continue to, to educate people about the problem. But how do we do it? We are the example. We show them what this looks like. We educate them through our own example what that looks like. When I go to the hospital and I ended up with this, when I go to the hospital, I speak to my doctor about my condition. I help her understand I'm just like the alcoholic. I can't have certain substances. If I have those certain substances, I'm going to be off to the races. And then I'm going to have obesity. I'm going to have weight gain. I'm going to have other problems that are, you know, just as serious as the alcoholic. And I need to be able to let let go of those things and she needs to know that so that she can be a better doctor and better educator to those that are still sick and suffering and with that i pass thank you do l nancy r you're up and then corinne g thank you thank you i'm nancy ara i'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater and i have just been so blessed by the shares this morning um this reading really um has touched me. It reminds me that God is really doing for me what I cannot do for myself. Um, many of us keep binge foods in our homes. I got married for the first time three years ago, and um, um, my husband is a normal eater, and he likes a certain dessert every night. And he, it's, an, it's there. He likes several of my binge foods, and they're in the house. And um, I had a visitor, a person in program visited me for the weekend, and she commented about this item that's in my refrigerator. And I could honestly tell her, I really don't see it. I really don't. I know it's there, but I really don't see it. And how that happens is nothing short of a miracle. And, I, you know, it's, it's so important to uh, study this book and to stay in um, uh, the literature, uh, to stay grounded in the fellowship, because I don't ever want to think that I'm doing this. The moment I think that I'm doing this, I'm headed for trouble. God is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. Uh, recently, I was at a, a banquet. I'm a retired educator for retirees, and uh, I just intuitively say, I pass to a waiter when it comes to dessert. I automatically just wait, you know, it's just something that I do. I don't eat dessert. I'm sugar sensitive. And uh, when people remark, ooh, I want to be good like Nancy, 
you know, I, I, I years ago in, in you know in program, I would go into a diatribe about uh, I'm allergic to sugar and all of that stuff. But you know, I just I don't even respond if someone asks me. Uh, then I'll share with them because uh, I'm not doing this. I am not doing this. There's a power greater than myself that is doing what I thought was impossible for me to live in the house where desserts are daily in the refrigerator and other binge items. And the, I miraculously, you know, uh, it's like they're, they're there, but they, they're not there. I can't explain it. I know it's a power greater than myself because I was such a low-bottom, low-bottom junk food junkie that God had to uh, wrought a miracle in my life for me to live sane and useful without those substances. So if, uh, my job is to be of maximum service. You know, if I go around being a crusader, lecturing people at the dinner table about the ills of eating certain substances, uh, nobody's going to... Nobody's going to even want to go to dinner with me. I'm grateful for the study. Thank you. So grateful for the study of the big book. And I'll keep coming back. Thank you for letting me Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy R. Corinne G., you're up. And then it'll be Nessa R. Corinne, star one to unmute. Or did I mess up another name? <laughs> I think you met, maybe it's Chris G. No, Chris, I got you at the end. <laughs> okay. okay, Nessa R, you're up. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R, recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, something that I, I've been learning, um, you know, the hard way, unfortunately, in life, in life and in program, is that my job is really not to fight darkness. My, my job is to add, to bring light. And what that means for me as a recovered person is that although I do got to talk about the darkness that my life was prior to recovery, um, so that my prospects, my sponsees, you know, people outside of recovery can see that I, I know what it is like to be like them, that I've, I've done what they've done, I've felt what they've felt, I've been what they've been. My real job is to show them, to show that, I, that it is possible to live life without having to compulsively overeat in order to deal with life's challenges, whether they're big or whether they're small. You know, my, my, my job is to, to be the message, to show, um, as the slogan says, attraction rather than promotion, that um, there, is, there is a better life without the food, that food was never the problem, that food was always the solution to our inability to, to my inability to cope with life, and that there is a different way, there is a better way. Um, and to get them to want that, you know, I, I um, you know, I'm more encouraged when I see what I want than when I see what I don't want. Um, and to get people to not only want what I have, but be willing to do what I do, because I've come into contact with a lot of people who want what I have, uh, but are not willing to do what I do. And, you know, when, when, I, when I live the message, when I am the message, 
um, that is my job as, as, um, as a recovered compulsive overeater to show uh, those who still suffer the possibilities that are out there, you know, the wonderful life that is out there, you know, to, to, to be that transformation that is brought about as a result of the steps that, that unblock us from, from the real solution, which is God. And I think it is that transformation that is the most attractive um, to those who still suffer, perhaps attractive enough to get them to be willing to do whatever it takes, you know, to go to any length and to, to work um, this beautiful program of recovery that the way it is meant to be worked in order to attain, um, you know, like a, a really beautiful, um, enjoyable, wonderful life, no matter what our circumstances are. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Maureen M., you're up, and then it'll be Christy. Hi, good morning. My name is Maureen M., recovered compulsive eater from New York. Thanks for your service um, this morning. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but if anyone came at me with an attitude of intolerance or hatred about anything, um, I'm not listening. (laughs) I mean, it's that simple. I, I... if I don't feel respected or heard or valued basically as a human being, even in my illness, I'm, I'm just not going to listen. Um, what I was attracted to was someone coming in and uh, maybe, you know, just being humble and saying, I, I, can't, I can't make this happen for you, but I can tell you what happened to me. Um, and if you have any questions, you can ask me. Um, and remember that I am not God, not the higher power. I've been positioned to be a channel, to be a conduit, um, to say what God wants me to say. Um, I noticed the word spirit was, was talked about twice in this paragraph. And um, I'm thinking back to an earlier paragraph, and of course, I'm not a page quoter, uh, but I remember when Bill returned and he was a totally different person. Um, Everything about him was different, and that was from working the 12 steps. And the sunlight of the spirit, if I have worked the 12 steps, that's going to show through me no matter what words come out of my mouth, but a spirit also of love and tolerance, you know, that's the code. Um, And respect, respect for people, respect even though they have a very deadly illness. And that's just a, a basic courtesy that we need to extend to anyone who's ill. Um, the witch burner thing, forget it. That would never work. Um, the word stupidity is very interesting to me. Um, I I, I kind of want to say ignorance because I don't think that, you know, there are, it's stupid. I, I, I just think it's kind of um, misguided and ignorant. But still, I, you know, my faith goes even further. I mean, anything can be 
rectified by the higher power. Maybe it is the path of someone to be repelled once again, to go out, to figure it out on their own. God, I hope they live. Maybe they won't. I don't know. It's not my call. My call is to share my experience, strength, and hope and to let them know that I'm here if they need, you know, Time. to recover. Uh, so that's, that's it. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank you, Maureen M. And Christy, you're up. Hi, everybody. This is Chris G. Is in girl in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, I am a recovering compulsive overeater. Very grateful today. And I'm a newcomer. And I think I'll be a newcomer forever. Um, and I wanted to talk about the, you know, the having the, the binge foods, the alcoholic foods in the house. And I remember in all of my scheming, in my past scheming, anytime I contemplated um, abstinence, I would panic. My disease would have me in a panic about, well, what do I do about my kids? What do I do about, you know, having, allowing them to have things? And, you know, and my disease would just have me stop there because I was in such a panic about it. And I would, I would somehow tell myself that, that, you know, I'm stuck, you know, what do I do? I can't, you know, do I just, you know, impose my disease upon them? And I had to put the food down. I had to, I had to take step one and, and just, and just surrender and trust that this process would help me with all of that. And it has helped me with all of that. I'm not complete with the steps yet, but um, I can have those foods in the house because I did surrender because I do understand that this is a disease and that those foods are not for me. And um, I just wanted to speak that out loud for maybe some, for some people who have struggled or are struggling with that same issue of, you know, if you're a parent or, you know, a partner and you're sharing a home, that 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 disease voice can stop you from even beginning the process as it did for me so um i just i just send everybody blessings and i thank you for your service and i thank you for letting me share and i pass thank you thank you chris g and with that we're going to move on to the last paragraph here and finish this chapter this morning and nadia b would you read for us please Monica, did, did you call on me? It's Nadia V. Not, yes. Go ahead and read that last paragraph, please, Nadia. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia V., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. And... Uh, um, you know, I uh, fought. Nadia, we can't hear you. Star one to unmute. Nadia? Can you hear me? Now we can, yes. 
So I fought, you know, food. I fought this disease. I fought... Um, Nadia, we've lost you again. Nadia, we can't hear you. Okay. let's. Uh, I'm going to open it up. Would anyone like to share on this last paragraph? Leslie W. Leslie? Lynn? Okay, let's just start with that because I don't. Leslie, you're up. Go ahead. And Morsi. then Lynn. Was it Leslie or Marzi? I said Maura Z. Maura Z. <laughs> did I get Leslie out of Maura Z? <laughs> no, this is Go Leslie. Ahead. I did chime in. Okay, <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Leslie, and then it'll be Liz. All right. This is Leslie, a recovering compulsive overeater in Tennessee, and I love being on this call every morning. Um, because it really speaks truth and there's no to me there's no truer sentence than after all our problems were of our own making um i think that for years i have wallowed in self-pity and justified my behavior because of past experiences and traumas and and, you know, um, and just abused myself, abused my body for so long. And I am so grateful today, and I know that that, that word is used so much, but I mean, truly, I, I am grateful today to know that there is a solution. And I love being reminded that I don't have to fight anyone or anything. When I first came into this program six years ago, I felt like I had to justify and rationalize and explain everything. I would get so panicked whenever I had to go to any kind of family function or party. And now now I I love what another person shared on the line about, I don't have to say anything. I can can pass. you know, I can just say, no, thank you. My sponsor always says, no, thank you is a complete sentence. Um, you know, and, and in the South, when your mother-in-law makes a cake for you and you they set it in front of you and you don't eat it and you say, no, thank you, um, you know, um, there's some unspoken <laughs> rules that are being um, sort of um, broken there. But that's okay because, like, at the end of the day, I have to live with myself. She doesn't have to live with that. I have to live with that disease. And I have to do what's right for me. And I finally had to get to that point where I just stopped fighting. And and it's such a relief today to not have to justify or explain my behavior or my choices. Um, You know, I can be kind and I don't have to lecture about it and I don't have to explain, well, I can't have sugar because this and because of that. because they, you know what, they don't understand. They don't understand. If they're not a compulsive overeater like me, they will never understand. And I will exhaust myself trying to explain it to them when it's not necessary. It's just not necessary. And so I'm not bitter about it. I am who I am. 
And I know now today because of this book and because of this program, what I need to do to take care of myself. And that is, that's such a huge change for me than where I was before. And so I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Lynn, it's your turn. And then if we have time, it'll be Mara Z. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Boy, there's so much here in these four sentences. But what really struck me was after all, after all these 103 pages of explanation and the 22 before in the prefaces and doctor's opinion, after all those years of my life where I struggled in the disease, after all the years I've been in the recovery, like after absolutely everything right up to this point at 7.52 in the morning, my problems are of my own making. And just, it is so amazing, just so amazing to sit here to read this in the squiggly writing and I can just see all the hundreds and thousands of people that came before us and we're all sitting here right now saying after all, after all of this and all we've been through, our problems were of our own making. There is this solution. We have stopped fighting anything or anybody we have to. It's just so profoundly affected me. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn S. and Mara Z. It's your turn. Thank you, Monica T., for your service this morning and all the wonderful shares. Mara Z. recovered in Virginia. Um, Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. My whole life was fighting and angry at everyone and everything because it was all being done to me. Everybody was mistreating me. Everybody was treating me poorly. I was being ignored. I was being abused emotionally in my own home. And everybody and everything, no one understood me. No one. I was angry all the time. I was fighting everything. I was fighting myself. I was fighting everybody in my life. Um, I was not happy with anything. If, if I ever expressed any happiness, um, it was a facade. It was just a facade. And then OA happened. And I spent nine, ten years in the room trying to get abstinent. Had some brief abstinence, but then, of course, lost it. And it wasn't until 2013 that someone pointed me in your all's direction. And I listened. And I'd always been a fan of the big book. And I can't tell you how many times I had read the doctor's opinion before. Because in OA How, you had to read that before you did question one. And since I had kept slipping and sliding, I was doing question one often. But it wasn't until someone in these rooms read that with me and pointed out the very simple premise that I had an allergy to the food and an obsession of the mind. I didn't get it before. That was literally the first time that was made clear to me. And that's when I was able to go forward with the steps and work through. And the fighting stopped. 
And like someone alluded to earlier, all the people in my life seemed to change. They hadn't changed. I'd learned acceptance and tolerance. These steps are magical and miraculous and absolutely divinely inspired. All my problems were of my own making. The food was just a symbol. And I'm so blessed to have gotten to a point where I have stopped fighting anybody or anything because I have to. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Mara Z. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And do, L, can you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I'll be glad to. Do, L, Recover Compulsive Reader from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to you to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.